let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay. Welcome to Two Minutes of Hope with Mario. And uh, once again, it is a good morning because we're alive and we're well. And uh, some of us, unfortunately, have to undergo a stricter lockdown than others. And uh, our African brothers and uh, our colored brothers, it's sad, it's sad, it's sad, it's sad because um, we are privileged in the sense that uh, we have space, we have room to move, we have um, the ability to go and purchase essential foods and stuff. But our brothers uh, find it very, very much, much, much more difficult. So, there you go. In any case, let us begin with our song, uh, the song that says, Thank you, Lord, for a brand new day. And it's a song sung by who used to be my best friend and is now relocated to heaven, Bobby Michaels, and here we go. Say this with me, my next 24 hours are loaded with blessings. Say this, there's a blessing today waiting for me to catch up with it. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, do our little, let's do our little study. Why do they say that five, and when I say they, I'm talking about the majority of uh, evangelical Christians uh, and um, people who consider themselves to be Christians, why do they say that five is the number of grace? And uh, today I would like to, today, this week, I would like to talk about that. Today I want to talk about um, the five women in, the, um, in Jesus' genealogy in Matthew 1. And then uh, tomorrow I'd like to talk about the five times that John says, I am the disciple that Jesus loves. And then I'd like to talk about the fifth day of creation, which was when God created life. 
And then I would like to talk about the fifth son of Jacob, Issachar, uh, whose name means God has given me my wages. Okay, let's, uh, let's get into this sort of a study. Uh, the word five, number five, is the word hen. And it's, it's made out of two, two letters. Um, remember that the, the, um, the way that the, the Jews began to write their language, um, they didn't have a written language. So when they came out of Egypt, they started, the, they needed a written language. Moses had to write the Torah and, and they, need to, they, needed, they needed a written language. So what they did, they fell back on what in Egypt was the hieroglyphics. And then they came out with uh, uh, 22 different little pictures of, uh, of um, things that represented, like hieroglyphics, represented letters. For instance, Aleph, Aleph it's, it's the head of a, the head of a, of a bull, of an ox. Uh, and it, uh, it's the first letter of, of the Hebrew alphabet. Beit is the, 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 the plan of a, of a tent or, the, or a house. Beth, stand, uh, Beth stands for house. Um, Tav is the last letter and is represented by two sticks crossed like that. So everyone, every letter has got a meaning. And Hen, um, the, letter, the first letter, Hey, of course, written from right to left. The first letter, Hey, is represented by a man with his, arm, with his arms lifted. And it means, uh, um, it means breath, it stands for breath, for uh, reveal. And the second letter, the letter Nun, remember we said Hin, uh, and in, in Hebrew there are no vocals, so it's uh, H-N. Um, anyway, let's not get this. So Nun, uh, Nun is represented by seed, by, by, um, by a seed, by a sprout. Uh, and it means to continue. So, five could be translated as the breath that goes on and on and on. Isn't that beautiful description of grace that goes on and on and on? Look at Romans 5.20. Romans 5.20 says, where sin abounds, grace goes on and on and on to hyperabound. Yes, because uh, the, the word, the famous word coined by uh, Dr. Michael Brown in his um, lethal book, <laughs> Hypergrace, the, the famous word of Hypergrace, comes from, well, he, does, he didn't know that, but he, he, he accused us preachers of grace to preach Hypergrace. In other words, something that is beyond Scripture, something that is above the, its, its heresy and everything, no nonsense. Uh, it comes from Romans 5.20, where, where, where Paul says that uh, Caris hyperpediceo, uh, grace hyperabounds. Uh, in other words, uh, hypergrace abounds. Um, and, and, and this is the beautiful understanding of this number five breath that goes on and on and on and on. And that's why I think uh, there could be an understanding of why this number five represents grace and is the number of grace. Now this morning I want to I want to talk to you about uh, someone who understood grace very well. His name is Matthew, and he's the first writer 
the first gospel writer uh, in the Bible, uh, or at least he's the first, the, the one that's been placed first. And Matthew was, uh, Matthew, why do I say that Matthew understands about grace? Because Matthew was not raised uh, a good Jew. He was not raised uh, a good boy. He was a tax collector, and a tax collector in, in, in those days in Israel was a, was a despicable person, was a person who had sold his soul to Rome. In other words, what he did was that he paid Rome a certain amount of money, whoever the official in charge was, nothing has changed, it's still the same thing in South Africa, in Italy, all over the world. You pay the official and the official grants you a favor. In other words, you would pay a certain amount of money to the Roman official and the official would grant you the license to collect taxes. Uh, the problem was that you had to pay Rome, say, 10 talents uh, a, a month. Uh, and what you did is you collected 15, 15 talents uh, a month and you kept the 5 and you paid the 10. So, and the people knew exactly what you were doing and so they hated the tax collectors. They hated them with a, with a passion. The, another reason why uh, Zacchaeus had to run, run away when, when he saw Jesus coming and climb up on top of the tree, he didn't want to be part of the, of the crowd. They were hated with a passion. So Matthew now is at, the, is at, his, at his table uh, and he's collect, collecting taxes. People are going by and he says, you need to pay your temple tax, you need to pay this, uh, have, you, uh, have you paid this, have you paid that? So people come and they pay their taxes, they give him, they give him their money. Uh, and Matthew collects this money, hated by everybody, until one day Jesus goes by and he goes by with his whole entourage of uh, Peter, John and the rest of the, the disciples. And I can just imagine how Peter kind of nudges John and he says, uh, Watch out, the master! He's gonna, he's gonna slap this so-and-so piece of chicken dropping tax collector in the face, and watch what a, what a, what a, what a, what a lesson he's gonna teach him. And so Jesus goes to the, to the, to Matthew's table, and I can just, uh, just about see Matthew kind of shrinking, uh, because he, he knows this is a rabbi, and he knows that. Uh, uh, his uh, profession is hated by everybody, so he kind of shrinks. And, uh, and Jesus approaches him, and I believe he smiles, and he says, Matthew, follow me. And Peter says, yeah, what? No, no, not follow him. No, not follow me. No, no, what? Jesus, maybe you don't understand. This guy is mafia. This guy is bad news. This guy is gang. This guy is violent. This guy, this guy is, 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 is bad news. You can't follow. But Jesus, that knows grace, says to Matthew, Follow me, he says the opposite of what the law says, of what religion says. Religion would have said to Matthew, change, you dirty sinner, and then you can follow me. But Jesus says, follow me and watch me change you. And so Matthew knew about grace, and I believe that's the reason why he inserted in his, in his, uh, in his uh, genealogy of Jesus, Five very particular characters that do not appear in uh, in the second genealogy, which is the one in Luke, Luke chapter Luke chapter three. Uh, the evangelist speaks of the genealogy of Jesus, starting from Joseph. Now Matthew starts from David, uh, and we will talk about that now. But uh, Ma uh, Luke starts from Joseph, and it's interesting the two different. 
um, grammatical uh, approaches that the two evangelists have toward this genealogy. Because Luke, uh, Luke presents us with, uh, with a genealogy that deviates from Joseph and goes on to Mary and then it, it goes up. It's, this is Mary's genealogy, not Joseph. However, Asasia, now Jesus himself, before, uh, uh, Jesus himself began, began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being, in brackets, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Uh, and the word is Yos, Yosef. In other words, the son of Joseph. He was not the son of Joseph, but he, but he was the son-in-law of Joseph, which in those days... Uh, was the same, the same, uh, the same kind of description for a son or a son-in-law was the same, son of. So that's why uh, Luke takes this direction and then he swing, uh, swings over and he goes to uh, Mary's, uh, Mary's uh, genealogy. And that's why he carries on saying the son of Joseph and then in, in italics, which means that he's not in the original text, of Eli, of Mathat, of Melchi, of jo and it carries on saying that this came out of that. This came out. This this was the son of. This was the son of. This was the son of. Okay. Now watch what the, the way that Matthew puts it. So in other words, Luke goes to Joseph and he says Joseph was the the husband of Mary, but Joseph Joseph was uh, Joseph was the 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 son-in-law of Eli. So Joseph swing. Eli, father of Mary, father-in-law of Joseph. You got it? Okay, I hope so. Anyway, no, not terribly important. But uh, So Matthew, on the other hand, uh, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Okay, now that is a totally different concept from being son of, because you can be son of without, being, without having been begotten. But you cannot be... A son-in-law without having been begotten. Only sons are begotten. Son-in-laws are sons of, uh, according to the according to the to the to the culture. But if you are begotten, only sons are begotten. And the word there for begotten is the word genau. Genau, from where we get our word Genesis, uh, genes. It's it gave birth. In other words, uh, Abraham gave birth. To Isaac, Isaac gave gave birth to Jacob, and you can see that these are this is the real genealogy of uh, of uh, of Joseph, the, the 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 father of Jesus, or well, the father of Jesus, suppose uh, father of Jesus. Whereas the other one swung from Joseph and went to Mary. Okay, so sort of uh, just to just to clarify why the two the two uh, genealogies are different, especially the reason why Luke. In Luke, these five women do not appear. Because, again, Matthew was, uh, he understood, he understood uh, uh, grace very well. And I believe this is the reason why he put these five women. Because he wanted to make a statement about the grace that saved him. Now watch this. He starts off and he says, Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What does it mean? It's a, it's a very powerful description of Messiah. Because Jesus was the son of David in the flesh, but he was the son of Abraham in the covenant. So Messiah was the only one that had to be born and participate in the covenant. Now, where does this, co where does this, 
Where does this covenant come from? Because this is not the covenant that was made on Mount Sinai between God and man, which Israel could not keep. This was a special covenant that we find in Hebrews chapter 6, and it's between God and God. And it's the only covenant that, where, where grace belongs, because grace cannot belong to a covenant made with man, because man will fail it over and over and over and over again. But God and God say, I will forgive your sins. I will remember your sins no more. You, Jesus, seed of David in the flesh, the son of David in the flesh, go down, take the place of humanity. I will forgive you all your sins. I will forgive you. I will pardon you. I will give you eternal life. I will, as a representative of mankind, Jesus, you will receive the part of the covenant that I'm cutting with myself. Watch what he says, 6.13. He says, and when God made a promise to Abraham, we've seen son of David, son of Abraham. When God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. So in other words, God made a covenant, a, a swearing pact with himself, with Jesus in himself. With, with, with Messiah, and this is the covenant that he's talking about, and this is where this, this beautiful genealogy starts. Now let's, let's look at these five ladies that, that, uh, uh, that appear in this beautiful genealogy. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah, and Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Okay, now what? Who was Tamar? Most, I'm sure that most of you have, have they, you know the story of Tamar. Tamar was a, Judah had, the, had, the, had three children, Eronan and Eltiel, and Er, er uh, died, and, uh, and Tamar, Tamar was his wife, and then uh, Tamar, because of the, of the, of the uh, culture of the time, the, uh, the brother of the, of the widow, the brother-in-law of the widow would marry her and uh, try to produce children through her so that uh, the, the line of his brother would carry on. But Onan, we all know the story, uh, Onan doesn't do that. And then, uh, and then Judah says to Tamar, says, uh, look, and, and, and he dies, and he dies. So Judah says, okay, Tamar, you're a bit of a, mm, a bad, bad luck. So I'll tell you what, my last child wait until he grows up but i don't think i'm going to give him to you in marriage anyway so and and that's a fact because he grows up tamar sees him growing and he's not given uh to him in marriage so she understands that unless she takes this thing in her hands and does something about it she's never gonna have a child she's never gonna have a son and the line of her uh um, husband of her first husband will be uh, halted and that was a terrible thing for a woman in Israel in those days. So Tamar, what does she do? She, she, she concocts uh, a, a plan which I call flesh. When you don't trust God to do something and you intervene and you, do, and you, and you find solutions apart from God. And Abraham did the same thing with, uh, with, uh, with um, Hagar. Um, when God said, I'm going to give you a son uh, from your wife, Sarah, 
and he concocts it, he goes into the flesh and he concocts it, so he tries to find a solution apart from God's promise. And this is what Taran, this is what Tamar is doing. She is finding uh, a solution apart from God, because what does she do? She dresses up as a prostitute, she puts a veil across her face so that the father-in-law will not recognize her. She, she waits at the, at the spot where he's, he's about to go by. He sees her, he's, uh, he's kind of a, uh, he's, he's a widower, he's a fe feeling a bit lonely. So he says, how about it? And she says, fine, what are you going to give me? He says, I'm going to give you a goat. That's fine, that's good enough for me. But until you give me a goat, which obviously you don't have with you now, what are you going to give me in, as a pledge for the goat? So, so he says, I'm going to give you my signet ring, I'm going to give you my staff, and I'm going to give you the cord of my, of my vest. And so she says, fine. So they do the, the thing. He goes away, sends the goat, Tamar is happy, she, she leaves the place obviously immediately and she, she is pregnant. So three months later the people go to Judah and they say, your, your daughter-in-law is pregnant. And they, ah, the, the drama and so on. And he decides that she needs to be killed, she needs to be uh, executed. Uh, and uh, Tamar says, hello, you surprise ring. Uh, staff and cord, the child is yours. So Judah <laughs> puts on the reverse, stops, and that's a story. In other words, the story is Tamar's confusion, rebellion, flesh. This is what Tamar represents in this gene genealogy. Confusion, rebellion, flesh. And have you ever tried to find a solution apart from God? Have you ever moved in the flesh? Have you ever moved in the old ways in which you used to live before you became a Christian? See, the flesh is not sinning. The flesh is not you sinning. No, the flesh is you finding solutions apart from God, apart from the presence of Christ inside of you. And so is rebellion, so is confusion. And so uh, um, Matthew puts this woman in there because he says, uh, Tamar, yes. Your rebellion, your confusion, your flesh, but you're part of Jesus' genealogy, and His grace is enough. Okay, number two, Rahab. Rahab carries on and says, Tamar, Peres, we go Israel, and Israel, Ram, Ram, we go to Minadab, Minadab, we go national, national, Salmon, Salmon, we go Boaz by Rahab. By Rahab. Now, why is this woman appearing here? Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute. You know, there's no beating about the bush. Tamar played the prostitute, but the Rahab was a prostitute. She made a living selling her body to men. So when the two spies, including Salmon, uh, I believe, uh, went to see her, uh, she basically uh, did what they asked her to do. And then the, she helped them by hiding them and when the, 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 the soldiers came to ask if they'd seen her, she lied like a dog, which thank God, because uh, otherwise the line, of the, the line of descendants of Jesus would be stopped at Simon, but she lied and, uh, and she said, no, no, they were here, but they're gone. If you, if you run, you'll catch them before they go out of the village. So the soldiers go away, she, let, she lets them down from the walls, and they escape. In the meantime, she is pregnant of Salmon's seed, which carries the genealogy of Jesus. So what are we talking about here? Rahab, Rahab she's a prostitute. She lies, and she lives in sin. So I'm not accusing anybody of my, any one of my, of my viewers to be a prostitute, but sin is sin. Sin, sin. Have you ever lied? Have you ever done something wrong? Uh, have, you ever, have you ever committed a, a sin of which you are ashamed? 
And this morning I want to say to you, yes, you're part of Jesus' genealogy and His grace is enough. Let's go on. Um, Boaz Barea. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Ruth. Ruth is an interesting lady because Ruth was a Moabites. A Moabites. Uh, why the, the Moabites, uh, here's, another, here's another family story that goes out the door. I mean, it's incredible. Lot. Uh, leaves Sodom and Gomorrah before the, before the judgment, before the destruction. He is alone in a cave. His wife becomes a pillar of salt. Uh, he's alone in a cave with his two daughters. His two daughters say, you know, the whole world is, uh, is ended and no, no males around. Let's make our, our fathers drunk so that he will have intercourse with us and we will be able to carry on as a usual story. We'll be able to carry on the line of descendants and we will have children. And so they do that and two children are born, Ammon and Moab, and both of them are cursed by the Lord. Moab and Ammon are two cursed groups of people, races, that, uh, that are cursed by the Lord. So Ruth is a Moabitess. So in other words, she's cursed. She belongs to the wrong race. She belongs to the wrong standing. She's got the wrong birth. She's, uh, uh, and and you, can, you can stand right there and say, and say I, I, I belong to the wrong race. I belong to the wrong social standing because of the sins of my father. The, the, I, I carry generational curses uh, uh, because of this and that. I've got this problem. I'm cursed. I'm, and I'm saying to you, Ruth, yes, you're part of Jesus' genealogy and His grace is sufficient. Were these girls guilty? You bet they were. And yet, they made it into Jesus' genealogy. Why? Because of Him, because of Chesed, because of grace. You are part of Jesus' genealogy and the grace of Jesus Christ is sufficient. Okay, uh, number four. Oops. <clears throat> number four, wife of Uriah. Uh, carries on and says, uh, Ruth obeyed begot Jesse, Jesse begot David the king, and David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Okay, had been the wife has been added to the original text, it's in italic, but uh, from her, of Uriah, in other words, it's, uh, we all know Bathsheba. They, they don't. Matthew doesn't even mention her name. She, he said Bathsheba. Now, the wife of Uriah. What does this represent? In my eyes, this represents consequences not deserved. And I'm, and I'm, I know I'm positive that a, a lot of you guys are there uh, are suffering from consequences not deserved. You say, why not deserve? She was a, no, she wasn't. She when the king tells you come. You goes, you go. She had no, she couldn't say no to the king. She had no alternative. She was forced to do something sinful. And so how many of you have been caught in a web of, of somehow you, you couldn't, you couldn't help. You couldn't stop. You couldn't somehow all of a sudden uh, you had to carry the consequences of, of a mistake that you made and that it wasn't even your fault. And I'm here to tell you, all you who belong to Uriah, 
Bathsheba, yes, you are part of Jesus' genealogy and his grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. Uh, let me carry on. I'm, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Wait, wait. Okay, the first one, the first one, amazingly enough, we find right at the end when he said, Jesus, Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, was called the Christ. So the husband of Mary. Mary is the first woman that appears in this genealogy and that I believe his, his, his part is, is baptized, is covered by the grace of Jesus. Now, why Mary? Why? Well, I've looked at it and various times Mary doubted. Various times she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. At various times she said, how can this be? How is it possible? There was doubt. There was poverty. There was poverty in a... Why do I say poverty? Because we will see that her name means bitterness. And that Mary was in, 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 her, in her nature, was bitter. Why? Uh, uh, poverty. Poverty. Why, why was she poor? How do you know that she was poor? Luke 2.24. Luke 2.24 says this. Says Luke 2.24 says, And to offer a sacrifice, that uh, they had to go to the, to the temple to offer a sacrifice according to what he said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Two things. Number one, if you could afford a lamb, you were not poor. If you couldn't afford a lamb, you were poor. However, even they, though they didn't know, they didn't have the lamb, uh, uh, the physical lamb. They had the lamb that takes the sin of the world. So they were the, the richest couple on earth and yet they thought they were poor. And that's why they brought birds so there was there was bitterness in their poverty and there was sadness and there was bitterness in their sadness because Luke 2.35 says the, the, the prophet Simon says yes a sword will pierce through your own soul also when he when he prophesies over the, the, the baby Jesus he says he says a soul will pierce through your heart and that's why I believe that my, that the, 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 the nature of Mary's name Miriam. Miriam was Mara. The, remember the, the waters of Mara, bitterness? And yes, Mara, with, with, with your doubt, with, with, with your poverty, with your sadness, with, with everything that could make you shake in your, in your faith, in your understanding, in your, in your you praying and st stuff doesn't happen and, uh, and, 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 and the, the sword pierces your heart. Even in that, I'm here to say, yes, you're part of Jesus' genealogy and His grace is enough. I love you. I hope I brought you some understanding of this beautiful thing called grace. You can belong in Jesus' genealogy, even if you've done all the things that we spoke about. And so I love you, Abba, Daddy, God, thank you. Hold them close to your heart, that in your heart already no one will ever be able to take them away from your heart. I'm asking you to bless each and every one of them, Lord. I'm asking you to touch. I'm asking you to stir. I'm asking you to, to awaken. I'm asking you to, to touch their minds so they can understand that they've been forever forgi forgiven. They've been forever pardoned. They've been forever saved. They've been forever given eternal life. Eternal life does not have a date, an expiry date. And I thank you for it, Lord. Bless all my friend, friends. Bless South Africa, I pray. Thank you, Daddy. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow. Bless you. Love you.